This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. So we do have another fantastic lineup for you today, so let's get straight into it. First up today, we will be hearing from Andrew Headley. He is the Chief Investment Officer at Veritas Asset Management, and they are responsible for managing the Net Group Investments Global Equity Fund. Andrew will be talking to us today about the big themes that he currently sees playing out. Over to you, Andrew. Thanks, Sumi. So today I've been asked to talk about some themes that we've analysed and we expressed within the portfolio. So uh, the three I'd like to talk about today are firstly, big data and AI, artificial intelligence. Secondly, next generation healthcare. And thirdly, a macroeconomic theme that we're expressing in the portfolio called fragility. So first off, big data and AI. So what is it? This slide here is a, a nice brief summary of AI. Basically, there are huge amounts of structured and unstructured data being produced globally, and the amount produced is growing exponentially. So as a bit of context, in 2010, there were around two zettabytes of data created. In 2021, that will be about 80 zettabytes, so 40 times as much. And uh, by 2025, about 180 zettabytes. So actually more data will be produced in the next three years than what's produced in the previous 30. Now, this data is stored in databases and servers, And until very recently, we hadn't really had the computing power for us to process the data in such a way as to generate usable inferences. So that except in some small limited circumstances, the data wasn't really being utilized. Now with improving computational power, um, it's much more possible to analyze this data uh, using CPUs and particularly GPUs together with AI algorithms to detect patterns. And this ability to detect patterns and utilize those patterns is only going to increase as computing power continues to evolve. And these patterns are useful because they can then generate actionable ideas and insights by determining predictive signals from the data. Now, use cases here are extremely wide over time and and will be ever expanding, but they range from the very simplistic, so things like fraud detection, all the way to the highly sophisticated, so things like autonomous vehicles require a huge amount of AI uh, to be able to interpret the data that they're constantly receiving. Now, the winners here are going to be those companies that have access to big data, so ideally proprietary data, and also engineering talent that can use this data. And that's hugely important that you require the engineering talent. Now, we think that Google is extremely well-placed here. This chart basically shows where AI professors, so these are tenured professors in the US, where they've been recruited or which companies have recruited them. And as you can see, Google is the leader. Uh, Google has recruited 23 AI professors, uh, tenured professors over the last uh, 14 years, between 2004 and 2018. Uh, Second is Amazon uh, with 17. Third is Microsoft with 12. And then it's uh, the likes of Facebook and Nvidia. So this puts Google in an extremely strong position, having probably the best talent. Uh, They also have uh, been developing Tensor GPUs. They have their own TensorFlow deep learning framework. And a good example of what they've been doing is Waymo, which is, as many people may know, is their autonomous driving subsidiary. Other companies in the portfolio that also fit in this category of winners are Microsoft and Facebook, but it is less central to their strategy than it is for Google, uh, where we see we see this as a, a big driver of future growth for, uh, for Alphabet as a whole. 
Um, now, there are two other types of companies that we think will benefit from AI and uh, big data. Uh, the tools providers, so this includes things like the semiconductor companies like NVIDIA, who make GPUs, uh, chip designers, so ARM, uh, but also um, the likes of Cadence and Synopsys, CAD CAM companies like Autodesk. So these will all be beneficiaries from this, uh, this requirement for uh, artificial intelligence and big data. And then the final group of companies that we think will be beneficiaries of this theme are companies that can build proprietary AI into their business model uh, and thereby improve results. And we think there's quite a lot of opportunity to do this in areas like aerospace, but also the, and perhaps the most obvious area, um, one of the early winners will be healthcare. So that brings me on to the next theme I want to discuss, which is next generation healthcare. Uh, so what do we mean by this? So really it comes down to things like uh, the human genome. So the ability to sequence the human genome has been around for over 20 years. The issue has been the cost of it. So technology has brought the cost down, as you can see from this chart, from around 100 million in the early 2000s to uh, sub $1,000 today for a human genome. So it's becoming very economic to sequence a growing proportion of the population. Uh, and we think the cost per genome will decline to around $100 over the next three or four years. Now, this ability to sequence more people's genomes has led to an expansion in genomic work. So we've seen this explosion of work to understand the genomic drivers of disease and treatments that work basically dependent on the mutations that a particular patient has. So a good example of this is Roche's Herceptin drug, uh, which is used to treat breast cancer patients with HER2 plus mutation. Now, with, with increasing computational power, and big data, and, and big data is important here because a human genome has over 3 billion base pairs. Uh, researchers are now increasingly combining genomic sequencing with AI and big data to diagnose and deliver personalized medicine and also to work on prevention. So what are the use cases here? So one of the big use cases we think is diagnostics. So, so being able to identify disease early. And obviously in something like oncology, if you can identify the disease early, uh, so for example, in stage one, then you're much more likely for the people to survive, which is shown by this chart here. So these are cancers detected by stage. So if you can, if you can uh, detect people in stage one, the chances of surviving are around 90%. Uh, whereas if you detect it in stage four, chances of surviving is around 20%. So obviously early diagnosis is, is really key. Now, one of the portfolio companies we have is Illumina, who are buying a company called Grail. Um, now, Grail can detect cancer, as shown by this chart, in the very early stages through a blood draw. So it's, it looks for circulating blood tumours. And it's, um, it's just being rolled out now. It's actually being rolled out quite significantly in the UK. And so we think this is a really interesting and exciting opportunity and potentially a huge market within diagnostics. Um, another portfolio company, Thermo Fisher, is also has a, a solution which is approved to identify lung cancer patients with an RET mutation, which then can receive uh, specific treatments, so very uh, personalized treatments. And the second area we think that the next generation medicine We'll, we'll have a use case in preventive medicine. So this is basically using big data and artificial intelligence to understand how to prevent disease and diagnose earlier if people are susceptible to disease. So for example, diagnosing uh, or understanding whether, whether women have the BRCA1 or 2 mutation, in which case they have a much greater chance of developing breast cancer, uh, around five times likelier to develop breast cancer. Uh, and so then those people can be monitored much more closely and they can um, be treated at a much earlier stage when their chance of survival are obviously much higher. 
So in terms of the winners and losers here, we think that the sequencing technology and tools companies are huge winners. So Illumina Portfolio Holding is the world leader in genomic sequencing. Thermo Fisher, again, very strong in next generation sequencing and reagents, also a portfolio company. We think those companies that can manufacture gene therapy, manufacturing and development, so that will be Catalans and Thermo Fisher again, both portfolio companies. And we've already touched on diagnostics, but Grail's Galeri, which I mentioned to identify cancer before it's symptomatic, but also Sonic Healthcare, uh, which is a portfolio company, uh, which does genetic testing. And the final set of companies that will be beneficiaries, we don't have exposure to, but these are the biotech companies. They're very good at developing gene therapies and personalized medicine solutions. Um, Moderna would be a good example. So Moderna uh, designed their COVID-19 mRNA vaccine in two days, simply using the, the genetic sequence of the virus. The, the issue for us here is that it's very hit and miss. So it continues to be hit and miss in terms of developing new drugs. So it's not an area that we like due to the risk reward payoff. So just turning to the third theme very briefly, uh, fragility. So what do we mean by this? Uh, so it's a macroeconomic theme, basically talking about suppressed interest rates, which we think have led to a huge expansion in the valuation of all asset classes. Now, much rests and a lot of asset valuations now rest on the ability of policymakers to keep rates at extremely low levels because we've seen this average valuation expansion. So as you can see on the chart here, this is the cyclically adjusted PE, uh, which is the dark green line and has obviously risen substantially now near 40. The light blue line is uh, long-term interest rates, which, as you can see, are, are extremely low. So this is the suppression of interest rates by policymakers. And on the next chart, again, we have the dark green line is the PE of the S&P 500. So this is the largest uh, 500 companies in the US. And the light green line is the Treasury yield, which, as you can see, has been in constant decline since the start of this chart, which is 1988. So. What we've seen is policymakers have kept these rates low, which has led to this huge average valuation expansion. Now, the biggest beneficiaries here have been the most highly valued growth stocks. And that's simply a function of maths, uh, that their earnings are perceived to be further out in duration. And so they are bigger beneficiaries of lower interest rates. And so that's the, the names like NVIDIA, Autodesk, Cadence, Synopsys that I spoke about earlier, which are, are all companies we like that are exposed to themes like uh, artificial intelligence and big data but we believe their valuations are too high for the returns that, uh, and earnings we think they will generate. And we think the outcome here is a bit asymmetric. As you can see from this chart, rates can't go much lower and that puts a cap on valuations, we think. So if valuations were just to stay static from where we are today, the best outcome for, for uh, equity investors over uh, a sensible time horizon, like five or six years, would be that returns would be the same level as earnings growth plus dividends. So earnings growth and dividend yield. Now, if rates were to rise, then we would have a valuation headwind, which would most likely impact the high growth companies the most. And so we think there is a, an asymmetry in this looking forwards. So in terms of winners and what to do, we think the winners in a relative sense are those companies whose valuations are not excessive. Now, these are either value companies, which are not the sort of things we're interested in, or quality companies, but with moderate growth and therefore typically moderate valuations. And they are companies that we think are extremely interesting at this juncture, partly because of this fragility theme. And we have a lot of exposure to this within the portfolio. So Fiserv is a good example, United Healthcare, uh, CVS, BAE. We have a lot of exposure to, to sort of moderately growing, but high quality companies. And we think that um, 
these companies will substantially outperform should we see the asymmetric outcome that I'm talking about where rates begin to rise and valuation compression begins to occur. So with that, I will um, thank everybody for your time and uh, end my presentation. Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.